Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host. It's your girl, Shanice, coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 198 today, and today's topic is the BMF docuseries that airs each Sunday night on Stars Network. Shout out to 50 Cent and the whole Greenlight gang. I am enjoying this entire docuseries thoroughly. Um... The series, the actual TV series, it returns January 23rd. And that's always a big deal here in the ATL. So I can't wait for that. Um, Last year, I was blessed enough to be able to go to the BMF premiere. So I enjoy talking about this. I did a recap before we started covering the show last year on a documentary. So I enjoy this one because it's coming from... uh you know, the team's words, you know, a lot of the docuseries, the documentaries and everything that's been put out on BMF has actually been from law enforcement or people who were around or say they were, you know, around. Uh, But this is actually coming from Meech, his family. Uh, We don't see Terry in there, which is interesting, but, you know, we get people who were in the BMF actually in there, actually putting in a lot of work in here. So I appreciate this. And, um, I do want to apologize because I was supposed to start covering this two weeks ago and um, it was a little hard for me to to talk about this in Detroit. Uh, I had some things go on personally, my family um, in Detroit. You guys know I'm from Michigan. Um, So it just hit a little home. You know, I did my Big Sky recap. I had to go out of town. but I wasn't uh, able to do it. So tonight I'm going to cover episode one, two, and three. And we're going to talk about it. Um, I'm Actually, it's going to be some 50 cent content I'm dropping. You guys know I support everything fifth over here. I'm part of Greenlight Gang. You know, honorary member. I love me some 50 cent. Uh, I admire his career. I pray that, you know, with my writing and my book coming out, I'm able to work with him one day. <laughs> so, um. We're going to drop the, I'm recapping the Surviving El Chapo. That's his new podcast based on the Flores Brothers. So I'm a little bit caught up on that. Um, so we're going to do a recap on his podcast, Surviving El Chapo, with the, with um, with um uh, all about the Flores Brothers. We're going to cover Hip Hop Homicides, which started last week. And that airs on Monday nights on WeTV. Uh, the first episode was based off Pop Smoke. So we're going to cover that as well. And we're almost to the, that'll be our 200 mark. So I'm going to do a special for my 200th episode. So yeah, we got some big things that we're working on over here. Still working on a book as well. Um, I have another big thing coming up. I don't want to say what it is yet. It's a surprise. I think you guys will enjoy it. And that should drop by the end of November. So we're we're dropping content over here. Uh, Big Sky is off for two weeks. I'm going to do a marathon for Dead to Me that airs on Netflix. That comes back November 17th. So, you know, I'll be around. But if you guys need to get in touch with me, as always, Facebook is Alicia Shanice. Instagram, Alicia Shanice Reviews. If you need to email me, Alicia Shanice Reviews 13 at gmail.com. You can inbox, DM, email me if you have any special recap requests you want to put out with that being a TV show, with that being a docu-series, with that being a movie, um, with that being a, <clears throat> a music album, you know, hit me up. 
I'll get your recap request out within a week. If you have any brands or businesses or anything that you're working on that you want me to shout out, all you got to do is hit me up. I'll shout out your business, your brand. I'm always going to support who supports me. I love whom loves me. Um, also, I want to shout out, shout out the Gully TV. Jamil from Gully TV, one of my mentors. Um, he just dropped the album. It's on all streaming services and that shit is fire. And that definitely will be one of my sleepers for today in my Joe Budden style. Cop that album. It's uh, called Pillmatic. It's straight fire. It's on all streaming services. Um, I think that pretty much sums up my little announcements. Um, I'll be on all week because I have to get the surviving El Chop out. I have to get the um, hip hop homicides and then we have to do a special for our 200th episode. So I'm thinking it'll be a music podcast. Um, But yeah, if you guys have anything that you want me to shout out, please hit me up. I don't mind doing it. On that note, let's get into the show and talk BMF blowing money fast. I'm feeling like she ain't play a play. I 
That was Baby Jew, 556. Five, Rest in heaven, little cousin. Going too soon. November 21, 2000 to October 23rd, 2022. Rest in heaven, little cousin. Make sure y'all stream his music, Baby Jew, on all streaming services and YouTube. Okay. So this series is pretty, pretty good. I've been enjoying it, and we're going to recap each episode one through three. Episode one is Detroit Dreams, and it opens, and we hear the voice of Big Meech from incarceration telling the story in his own words. So that's always very appreciated. Um, Actually, uh, that was one of the things I appreciated most when we covered the Supreme Team docu-series that Nas did, is that we hear so much about Supreme, you know, Prince, Prem, Bimmy. I mean, of course, we hear Bimmy in his own words, but we just hear so much about Suprema Griffin Prince, but it was so good to hear it from their own words. So that was one thing that I appreciated in this docuseries as well. So, um, you know, we hear him talking about the motivation was from being poor. The motivation of the hustling was from, you know, the environment that they were born in, uh, the effect of the community at that time. Uh, we see Meech's mother and his sister in here. Um, they talk about how the auto industry was everything. General Motors, you know, Michigan, uh, that's that's what we had in Michigan. General Motors was everything. And then when they started outsourcing and leaving Michigan, uh, we definitely felt the effects of that in our in, our, in Detroit and Flint, um, all over Michigan. <clears throat> So we see on January 23rd, 1967, we see the riot that took place in Detroit. Um, They have a movie on that as well, where 40 people were killed, thousands were injured, buildings were destroyed. And Detroit just was never the same after that. It was never the same after that. Um, Shortly after that, that's when Motown left and they went out to California. Um, You know, Detroit really was doing big things in the early 60s. We had the auto industry booming. We had Motown. You know, we had everything. So um, we see that's also when a lot of uh, the white people were leaving and the city was becoming uh, predominantly black. Um, And that's very true. I remember um, my grandparents saying when they bought their home in the 60s, they were like the second black family on the street. It was uh, predominantly white. And after that, they moved out, moved out to the suburbs. And that's when the communities that I grew up in became predominantly black. We might have had one white family living in there, maybe two. Like the school I grew up in, it might have been maybe only like three uh, white children there, you know. It was predominantly black community. <clears throat> so we see um, a childhood friend in a, a documentary named Roland West. He was like the third, third one of them, like a, you know, an honorary brother, you know. <clears throat> um, and we see the pictures of the upbringings and learn about Charles. And he, we see that he wanted to be a professional music musician. And, you know, he was a, a family hardworking man. We see he put a lot of money into the music as well. And we learn about their poverty. We see um, 
that the TV show is very different from the real life. And even when we read the um, introduction of the television show, they say a lot of this shit happened, you know, but, you know, some of it didn't. So we see that their family dynamic was much different from how it portrays in the television show. And I'm sure they'll catch catch up more to how it really happened in season two as well. But we see that um, financial reasons is what ended their marriage after 19 years. So um, Meech's parents did get a divorce after 19 years. We also learned that they were behind in taxes for the house. And that's when Meech turned into the streets. You know, first he started hustling weed and then moved into the other stuff. You know, in the 80s, that's when the drug epidemic was spreading. And uh, that's when white boy Rick was doing his thing in the D, Maserati Rick, um, the Curry Brothers, of course. And um, they were YBI, Young Boys Incorporated. We see Edie Boyd in the documentary and that uh, if you guys watch the TV show, Edie's character is basically portrayed from Wood Harris, who plays Pat. And he was originally from New York, but raised in Detroit from the age of 14. Um, We see Derek Meeks. He was a former member of the 50 Boys as well, which the 50 Boys only had three members. Uh, We see Edie. uh, He basically he gave Meech the real game. And after that, Meech stepped it up. Um, Meech was a lieutenant and Terry was the businessman. They always specified Terry. He was the businessman. Terry, he wasn't trying to go out to no clubs. He wasn't trying to hang. Terry was about that money. Meech was more, you know, the partier, you know, but still a lieutenant, you know. So we see that they were a small crew of three, like a family. They met every Sunday for dinner at Edie's house. They were really like a family. And within six months, they were able to get the house payments caught up, bills paid, food on the table, you know, really taking care of home after their parents split. So uh, we see Terry stepped up to be the man of the house after the divorce. And of course, um, when you in this game, we all know that bring rivals. And that's when we see Leighton Simon. The real Lamar, <laughs> the boogeyman who, who had everybody shook. And when you in the game of the dope game, the streets, that brings violence. Violence will follow. So we see that they touched on the beef with Leighton and Meech. Um, we see the war broke out after the night he chased Meech down and pointed his Uzi at him, basically giving him a warning for taking over his territories. And also they were messing with some of the same girls. So when we watch the TV show and then we see, uh, what was her name? Well, uh, you know, Cash Dial, but I think her name was Monique in the show. Um, and that was Lamar's girl. But then Meech started messing with her. We see it's a little truth to that. They, you know what I'm saying? Meech was younger. He probably was you know, the man and the girls was flying to him and Lamar was older. And we know back in those days, especially the older hustlers would go after the younger girls. So, you know, Hey, it is what it is. And that was basically episode one. It just touched based on, you know, the beginnings of how they got in the game, the family dynamic, and it touched on just a little bit with Layton. But then in episode two, which is titled gangster boogie. And we see it's all about the war with Layton, AKA Lamar can't stop the rain himself so it opens with the destruction of what the crack did to the inner city communities especially in the black community which i touch on a lot on this podcast especially when we cover snowfall when we cover narcos um i i I covered the crack um documentary like 
it really did a domino effect to the black community. Um, and we see what it did. It just was a domino effect and it was a ripple effect. And it was in every city. It was in every city, not just LA, not just Detroit, not New York, every city. Like when crack came, it made men and women resort to unthinkable things like becoming zombie. Like it was a saying that the late great John Singleton said a while back, like we, we blacks endured slavery and everything of African-Americans have suffered. Crack was one of the worst things that could make a black woman abandon her children. And, and it's just a hundred percent true. Like, um, it just was different. It it was it was different, you know. You go through the Jim Crow era, the slavery era, but when crack hit, it just destroyed the community. Um, and they were young; they didn't know what they were getting themselves into. It was a new high. Um, it, it was it was different, you know. It was very different. So, um, <clears throat> we see it put fast money into the um, young brothers' hands. It also brought out body bags as well. It brought a lot of violence, a lot of violence. Um, you know, uh, with crack, everybody wanted it. And it was so cheap. Everybody could get it. Everybody could become hustlers. And it just was too much, you know. Uh, we see, uh, we clearly see the big difference between Edie and Pat in the series. You know, um, I had touched base on that before when we were covering the TV series, like how they tried to portray Pat like he was just some hating nigga trying to keep them under his wing and trying to keep them from outshining him. But, you know, Edie, he wasn't like that. He like, you know, when it's time to let them fly out and, you know, flow with their own, he let them do it. He let them do it. He gave them bless their blessings, you know, and he gave Meech a lot of game. So uh, it's true to form. Uh, was the boogeyman, Mr. Layton, a.k.a. Lamar. Like most dudes in the game, beef is always over a woman or just hate and jealousy, you know. Um, we see Elvis was shot dead, which was Lamar's brother, and Lamar was shot. Um, he was shot and left to wear a bag one night when they got into it. And Meech was a little dude at the time. Layton was an OG. But after the, the death of Elvis, that just brought out all vengeance after that. It was straight war. You know, that was his brother. He he wanted war. And actually, uh, Layton, he actually did an interview with Vlad TV where he tells his story and tells his side of what happened with his brother and everything as well. If you guys want to check that out, it's on Vlad TV. Um, Layton, a.k.a. Lamar, he tell, uh, Layton Simon, a.k.a. Lamar, he tells his real story of what happened to that, if you guys want more insight on that. But he tells what happened to his brother and the shootings and how he got into the game and got his notoriety of being the boogeyman. So, um, the writer was saying the one who writes for the BMF series, Randy, his name is Randy something. He's a really interesting guy. He's from Detroit, but he's the, the, the series writer of the television show. And he always said that Lamar's character was based off of two brothers. So it was based off of everything. Wasn't just what uh, uh, Layton did, but also Elvis. Like they were two boogeyman brothers. And then after Elvis was murdered, Layton just became worse. <laughs> so, 
we see at this time that the game is changing 100%. The murder game was crazy, and the Flannery brothers went from, you know, they went straight to wholesale, just from, you know, they went to wholesale in the 80s. They was doing their own thing. One bricks became two bricks and three bricks and, you know, on and on. So Edie let them go peacefully and with his blessing, so it wasn't like the TV show, and they go out and do their own thing, and he brought on two other gentlemen to take their place. We see um, they hooked up uh, with some guy named Lawrence who was in here and got to getting it through the pipeline in Miami. And if anybody knows anything about the drug game in the 80s, Miami was all Pablito. Pablo Escobar, the Cali cartel, they had Cali, they had um, North New York, but Miami was all Pablo. So when they hooked up with Lawrence, that's when they got that pipeline in Miami. And after uh, they got with Lawrence, it was just no stopping after that. That's when, you know, the game changed. They weren't just those 50 boys no more. So them 50 bags of rocks. They was they was moving their own thing. They became wholesale. And Misha and Terry was like night and day. It, it talks about it like Meech was out there. He was the partier. He wanted to have fun. He was still a lieutenant, of course, about his money. But Terry was all business. He wasn't trying to go out partying. He was all about the money. Uh, we see Layton. He was not playing. And Meech was actually shot multiple times. We see Meech did not uh, file charges or cooperate about the shooting. We also see a uh, white boy Rick in the dock who was getting it back in the day as well. We see after all of this ended up going on with the beef and the big shooting and him being shot that he left town after that. Not so much because of the beef with Layton. I'm sure that played a little part in it, but rather for elevation. So um, in 1989, he took off and Terry stayed longer. And then episode two um, ends with them in, uh, introducing Jack Harvey and that name rings bells, you know, as far as the feds and the DEA. And it kind of ends with Jack Harvey saying, you know, after you get the making money, you know, the feds, they're going to be not too far behind. But in episode three, which is titled um, The South Got Something to Say, it doesn't touch on Jack Harvey, but I'm sure they'll come back around that when they talk about, you know, how they got indicted. They'll probably bring up because I think I covered that in the documentary as well that you know they had um before he left Detroit his name had already started touching law enforcement but it all tied back up because they had to go back to Detroit to um indict them some more for other charges and everything so I'm pretty sure we're going to learn more about Jack Harvey as the series goes on but it goes to episode three South got something to say and it's all about Meech leaving for ATL um the 90s ATL was different they show um, footage of the original Freaknik, the early 90s. You know, I remember hearing about how Tupac used to be all at the Freaknik in the 90s. You know, Tupac lived in Atlanta for a while. That's where he actually shot those two undercover cops. You know, Atlanta in the 90s, especially the early 90s, was something completely different. What a time to probably be in down here. I wish I could experience the original Freak Nick, you know, it just was a different time. I, it's something about the early 90s and the late 80s that I'm just like, dang, you know, I wish I could <laughs> just been a, you know, a fly on the wall and seen it for myself. You know, it's just something about that generation. Uh, it goes on to show his former girlfriend, Latara. 
Um, he met her. She was a waitress and talks about, you know, their love story when he moved to Atlanta and, you know, it was a big change coming from the D to the A. Believe me, I'm, I'm from Michigan and I live in Atlanta now and it's a big, it's so much a big difference and it's just so much more opportunity here. I'm always going to be Michigan at heart. That's my home, you know, um, but it's just, it's really a big difference. So I can imagine what it was in the nineties. And then, you know, moving down to Atlanta, of course, that brought the Colombian connections. So around this time, this was um, early 90s. That's when Big Bush, he shot down, um, was shut down, shall I say, the Colombian routes. So Carlos later, he was um, a part of the Medellin cartel. He ran the Bahama routes. And, you know, brought everything over here for Pablo. And I remember um, when I covered everything with Narcos and Pablo and the cartels, that's when everything kind of shifted more to Mexico. And the Bahama routes and all of that, they were just, they were stopped. Big Bush, the government at this time, um, Pablo was having a war with the government. Uh, the It just wasn't the same. So, it dried up. So Meech had to go to LA for a new plug. And that's when they were getting everything through either the Cali cartel or either the Guadalajara cartel um, at that time. Because Pablo Supreme was coming to a halt from the war he had with his own government. You remember he died in 1993. So when they were doing, when Meech probably was doing his thing in the early 90s, uh, in Atlanta, that's when it was drying up because all of the weight was coming from Colombia. But that's when the shift started and everything started coming from Mexico. So um, <clears throat> we see uh, Jean Paul, Green Eyes, uh, he's in here and he had ties to the cartel through Mexico. And <clears throat> we see <clears throat> he was bringing in 15 kilos in one day. Like, damn, things changed dramatically when Meech got to L.A. And when he started partying, it was more for networking down there. We get introduced to the what they say, the loyal BMF members, the ones who were really putting in work and side by side with Meech. Um, we know the split is coming, of course. It doesn't talk about that right now, but I'm guessing that from how they put it, you know, Meech had his own crew. Terry had his, especially after the split. I'm thinking that these were the ones who was more on Meech's side. We see J-Bo. He was from St. Louis. We see Yogi. She was uh, Meech's personal assistant. He met her because she was cleaning. Uh, we meet Raheem. He was a BMF member. We see white boy Gore. He was the muscle. Meech even looked out for his brother you know we see loyalty was everything and Meech took care of his people they always said Meech took care of his people he did not play so we see Meech had Terry come out to LA after that and it was just all business it was all business Terry was all business and them Detroit days they was gone and money was coming in left to right from state to state they um may have left the D but they took the game with them. They took the game with them. Um, we see a lot of old footage, um, which that footage has been swirling around for years. Um, we see <clears throat> um, BMF becoming BMF, the beginning of it, the Black Mafia family. 
And when they put the title in there and got the, the chains and got the saying, okay, we BMF and got a name, that's when, you know, the feds are coming soon. And they even talk about how they were in the clubs and they seen all of these different guys in there. They were like, not only white, they were so many ethnicities and they were all in there drinking beer and they pretty much knew that was law enforcement. So I'm pretty sure episode four will tie back up to the law enforcement that were, that had their eyes on them in Detroit. But now we see on how they expanded out of Detroit and they were all over. They was in St. Louis. They they were all over Kansas City. Um, they were just all over. So um, this is a really good series. I'm enjoying it. I'm, I know it's starting off where they're giving out little information. It's like 30 minute episodes, but it's supposed to go on to January and we'll see on how it goes all the way to the end. It's so much more to come because there's so much history here in this story. So I'm going to continue recapping it each week. Um, this was just a brief, brief recap. I'm sorry I'm late. Um, just had a lot going on <laughs> and it was a little uh, touchy for me to touch uh, just this type of topic at this time, especially in Detroit with everything uh, going on. I had to go out of town, so I do apologize about that. But I'm excited to recap this. Um, you guys know I support everything 50 Cent. So I will be dropping my next pod, episode 199. That will be Surviving El Chapo. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I think the last night it comes on is going to follow up with the TV show coming on right after that. At that, um, like So the season finale the finale of the docuseries will end come on at 12 and then right after that that's when uh episode one of the season two will come back and they got some really good people in there they got my girl monique shout out to 50 cent for bringing her back um she was played in hollywood everybody knows her story but you know 50 cent that's one thing about him he gonna look out for people so he got 50 cent oh he got monique in there i seen he got young miami lala is coming back um cash dial will be back in season two as well um so he has some really good people in here and i'm thinking season two is going to be amazing i'm hoping i get to make it to another premiere this year but uh, yeah this is a really good docuseries i love documentaries i love documentaries um I've recapped quite a few on this pod. So if you guys want to go back and check them out, that would be wonderful. My favorite one I did was The Last Narc. And that was actually based off of Kiki Camarano, the DEA agent that was murdered in 1985 um, from the Guadalajara cartel. That was the most intense, best documentary I've ever seen in my life. Um, I recapped that a while back. If you guys want to check that out, or if you guys have any documentaries or docu-series you want me to check out and recap, I'll do that as well. Uh, documentaries are some of my favorite to recap. <laughs> but yeah, so we got seven more episodes to go, it should be, and I'm going to love every minute of recapping them. Um, but yeah, it just felt good to hear everything from Big Meech's side, from his mouth, um, we seen Cavario was in there. Um, he is one of the originals from Don Diva. Um, I know it's a lot of termite there with him and Kevin Childs. That's their story. I don't know, but he um was one of the originators from uh Don Diva. He was in the uh, episode three. We see footage of Young Jeezy. We see footage of them partying. And that was one thing BMF knew how to do, especially on Meech's side. Terry was much more laid back, but they knew how to party. And when they say make it rain, it came from BMF because they would definitely make it rain in them strip clubs. Meech knew how to party. But one thing that they say is Meech took care of his people. You know, um, 
he definitely whatever you needed you had it you know and they got to buying all these big houses out here in Atlanta they had mansions you know they had the cars they had the secret compartments they had a whole system they had a whole system they was really blowing money fast so I enjoyed hearing their story from their mouths I'm hoping that before it ends we'll hear something from Terry <laughs> I don't know why he's not in here I know him and 50 Cent are cool um uh he's involved in the tv show series so I don't know why he's not in here but I'm sure we'll find out later on but 50 Cent does it again he's dropping content and his content gives me content <laughs> you know I support fifth over here um but yeah shout out to 50 Cent shout out to BMF you know free big Mitch um I'm gonna go ahead and play a sleeper so please don't go anywhere because I have a sleeper that is fire that I think you guys are going to enjoy but this was my recap of BMF uh episode one through three I hope you guys enjoyed it here's my sleeper all right so shout out to Jamil from Gully TV one of my mentors who I reach out to for advice with my writing somebody I look look up to in this um whole media outlet world just as inspiring me just as a hustler as a writer as in this media world dropping content and it's authentic uh, make sure you subscribe to his youtube channel gully tv and he put out a book some things i've been through straight fire and he just released his album it's on all streaming services pillmatic and i'm gonna play one of my favorite songs on here the whole album is fire <laughs> but i'm gonna play um the one i've been listening to all day game time so that is my sleeper for today i hope you guys enjoy it and make sure you stream it it's on all streaming services here we go like John Moran, the youngest nigga in the hood with a spot. Baseballs, I was pitching. Like basketball, pushing a rock. I was the starting point guard for the block. I was the shooting guard when shit got hot. Like John Moran, the youngest nigga in the hood with a spot. Snitches was like reps, they was blowing the whistle. Fuck them, I'm in the paint, post up with this pistol. And fuck with a nigga thought. But like the Queensbridge niggas, my standards get hit on the court. Check it, I want quite often. They couldn't fuck with this East Coast. Desert Eagle Triangle offense from Delaware to Boston. I had niggas play the sideline sick, like Greg Oden balling. Of course, man, I wore jerseys and Michaels for them little niggas taking backs out of high school. Salary chat, 60 40 if I like you. Other than that, it's 80 20 all night, though. Living life at a fast pace. Did the dice roll a head crack? Nigga, that's a fast break. Fiends mad when they glass break. I got four quarters for you, nigga. How you want it? Hardest. Hey, goals, I was pitching like basketball, pushing a rock. I was the starting point guard for the block. I was the shooting guard when shit got hot. Like John Green, the youngest nigga in the hood with a spot. Baseballs, I was pitching like basketball, pushing a rock. I was the starting point guard for the block. I was the shooting guard when shit got hot. Like John Green, the youngest nigga in the hood with a spot. I got a B.I.G. a G. I hit it. I'm to break down and push rock. Call me CP3. Shoot a line. K.O.B.E. My young boys make noise like OKC. I can make a brick come back. 
like these rolls you need you make that pop in Cleveland. I'm so Kyrie, shoot a nigga in the club. R.I.P. It's great ears in my bin. He asked for ID. Queens get the money, no time, no cash. She changed. Now it's a hundred K in the stash. Got guns and jeans in the can and a bag. With Jane, hey, Jane, all beats in the chat. I ain't even speaking me work, never up in sight. Even though my money was right, he said I looked right. Niggas my age was at the center in the 90s. I was on the block like sinners in the night. Day schools, I was pitching like basketball, pushing a rock. I was the starting point guard for the block. I was the shooting guard when shit got hot. Like John Murray, the youngest nigga in the hood with a spot. Day schools, I was pitching like basketball, pushing a rock. I was the starting point guard for the block. I was the shooting guard when shit got hot. Like John Murray, the youngest nigga in the hood with a spot. All right, that was Game Time off of that Pillmatic album, Gully TV, PA. I'm sorry, PA Dre, <laughs> Zip with the Drip. Make sure y'all check that out. I uh, hope you guys have a beautiful week. I'm going to be dropping content all week as well. My next episode will be Surviving El Chapo. Shout out to 50 Cent and the whole Green Light Gang. Uh, remember to protect your energy at all costs. Depression is at an all-time high. There's so much shit going on in this world. Remember to stay prayed up. We do have bad days, but as long as God blesses you with another day, we're blessed, you know, blessed with, you know, to wake up and have breath to breathe and it's giving you another day. So if God wakes you up, take advantage of it. It's okay to soak and be sad sometimes, but sometimes you got to shake it off and be like, you know what? I'm a survivor. I'm going to get out here and get it. What God has for you, no man can take from you. Don't let nobody tell you what you can't do. The sky is the limit. The sky is the limit. The sky is the limit. Uh, you got anybody who is an enemy to your energy, you don't have to get rid of them rudely. But, you know, if they're not helping you, it's okay to put yourself first and just say, hey, you know, you it's toxic toxicity to me right now. I, I can't do this. Um, but don't forget to tell your loved ones and people you love them that you love them while they're here. And. You know, just try to be happy the best way you can. Do what's best for you. It's okay putting yourself first. We only got one life to live. Let's live it to the fullest. So I love you guys. I thank you for your support. You guys are so dope to me. And on that note, it's your girl Shanice, and I'm out. Hope you enjoyed the show with your girl Shanice.